0: There is a very strategic way that if you want to have long term best outcomes, brains must must be healed, mental and physical brain must be healed first, Uh, that uh, spiritual role is not an absent part of medicine It is truly part of healing.
1: Resetters, Dr. Mindy here, and I am on a mission to teach you just how powerful your body was built to be. This podcast is about giving you the power back and helping you believe in yourself again. Let's jump in. On this episode of the Resetter podcast, man, did I have the joy of talking with Dr. Boz. So for those of you who don't know who Dr. Boz is, Uh, She is another one of those powerhouse women that are out there trying to change the metabolic world. And she has a very popular YouTube channel. I highly recommend you go check it out. And where she talks a lot about the power of not only the ketogenic diet, the power of fasting, and she has an incredible uh, autophagy ratio called that she calls the Dr. Baas ratio that you'll hear about in this episode for us to understand when we are in autophagy. Now her background is as a medical doctor, you'll hear her story here in the beginning where she... Uh, Her specialty was internal medicine, and she got so frustrated with prescribing medications and not making a real true impact on people's metabolic health that she started studying concepts like the ketogenic diet and fasting and autophagy and started implementing these strategies into her patient's care and got incredible results. You'll hear those stories in this episode. So she is a huge heart on a big mission and brings to the conversation that we all have been discussing, not only here on the podcast, but on all my social media sites in my Reset Academy. And that's really what do we want our blood sugar to be at? What do we want our ketones to be at? How do we measure um, autophagy? Why we should look at our blood work, specifically a measurement like hemoglobin A1C? What do we want those measurements to be at? These are so many questions that so many of you ask me, and I feel like this discussion took it to a whole nother level. So um, I'm really excited to bring this conversation to you. We're doing something really unique where if you all have questions about what you heard in this podcast interview... Please go and write us a review on iTunes and ask your question in the review. We will be taking those questions. And then Dr. Boz and I will be doing a live on both of our YouTube channels together to answer your questions. So this is a conversation I've been wanting to bring to you for so long. I'm really excited to get into your hands. And now as questions come up, I want to make sure that we answer them on both of our YouTube channels. So as always, I hope this changes your life. I hope this is, it inspires you to keep fasting, keep diving into the ketogenic diet. But most of, of all, I hope this conversation gives you the power back and is one more Notch in your ketogenic belt and to understanding just how powerful this body is that you're living in. Enjoy. Hey resetters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my reset academy. So check this out, if you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the Academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So here's where here's where I want to start. And um I just, you know, my audience, for those of you listening, um, if you don't know Dr. Boz, you are gonna love this conversation. And one of the things I want to say that's really fun about connecting with you is that you and I are both educating on YouTube, which is a whole nother platform to educate on. And I, for me, I feel like having a mission and a focus of what I'm trying to do with my videos really, really keeps me on it, on, on point. And I see right. that in you too. So can you st- start a little bit about your mission and why you are putting these videos out on YouTube? Because it is not for your own self. I know that.
0: Right. Yeah. I was looking at the budget the halfway through the year for YouTube and I'm like, it is not a money generator. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not for that. <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: No, honestly, I, uh, I think it, it helps as a way of introduction to just uh, the answer to the question has, has roots into, into my soul. Uh, I, am a, I am a hog farmer's daughter. I've castrated more pigs than you've probably eaten. Uh, I have um, uh, a, I'm fifth generation farm daughter. And um, I can remember the day that I didn't want to raise hogs for my whole life. Mm. I wanted something bigger. I wanted out of here. This town is too small, 800 people, 21 in my kindergarten class, the same 21 in my high, my, my senior class. Uh, What I was missing uh, dreaming about was this drive to just not be there. Mm. Uh, And that drive Led through lots of long hours of becoming a physician, something I had no mentorship for. I had no idea what I was saying yes to. And um, praise be to God, I had just enough scholarships at the right time to get the bills paid and then get into medical school. And it was um, life changing. It was truly a different world that I knew I wasn't going to do hog chores, but there was a lot of this world that was not. Um, Lovely. I, I had worked mm-hmm. in a nursing home. Aging wasn't the problem. Taking care of humans, loving on them—that's not the problem. Uh, the, the side effect of growing up in a community of 800 people is you hold a huge responsibility, whether you want to or not, about being a community member. And are you mm-hmm. helping the community or are you not? I don't. I don't know how to not think that way. Yeah. So, as a young budding physician, uh, there's this choice point in the second year of medical school that says what kind of physician do you want to be? And I'm like, Oh my right. God, another life, life decision. And I, I can look around to see these other physicians now as role models. And I knew that the internal medicine team, they were super nerdy. Uh, they had, they did not have much of a personality, <laughs> but they knew all the answers to the questions my parents were asking. Mm. And, um, I, you know, the elders that I knew and loved, uh, whenever I wanted to answer their questions, I knew that I should be asking an internist to figure that out. So as I became an internal medicine physician, I had these aspirations of, of if, if you go to, you know, internists don't have a good marketing team. It's a terrible name. Like you take care of the internal part. Of- yeah,
1: it is a horrible name.
0: <laughs> Very vague. <laughs> right. And you're like, what? But what it really boils down to is that we are the problem solvers. We're supposed to have the most complex problems that we think about at the deepest level of science, plus medicine, plus mind, body, spirit. And um, translate that into if you go to an internist and they can't figure out what's wrong with you, you're going to die.
1: Ooh, yeah,
0: like Ooh. yeah, that's a huge intern- responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so I love the complexity. I love the analytics. I was really attracted to shock trauma because you could calculate a lot of the answers and it seemed black and white. And then I had a baby Uh, on time as planned, but decided I wasn't going to spend the life there. I was going to go to outpatient world and be a physician that didn't have 120 hours a week. Um, Mm. And I loved that decision, but I brought to the clinical world of outpatient, a very analytical approach of how do you reverse problems? How do Mm. you actually get outcomes that improve the patient? Uh, I quickly learned that if you don't take care of their brain first, you're never going to get their diabetes to be better. Um, And I became uh, what most internists are is the management of chronic problems. And there is a very strategic way that if you want to have long-term best outcomes, brains must, must be healed, mental and mm. physical brain must be healed first. Uh, that uh, spiritual role is not an absent part of medicine, it is truly part of healing. Uh, but if you wanted to reverse them uh, quickly, you could, um, at least I was taught that you could write a lot of prescriptions. And mm-hmm. about the third or fourth year into um, what I thought as a very exciting outpatient career, we were doing really amazing things. And i had been invited to the White House for a taking care of a patient population that was very impoverished, but was getting outcomes at a, a strategically low cost. Um, and it was because of this analytical thing I was doing in the outpatient world, but outside of those innovative lanes in medicine, I was matching patients to prescriptions. If mm. you have this symptom, I give you this pill. If it, if that one doesn't, if that pill doesn't work, then I, then I um, give you a different pill. If those two pills don't work, then I test these three things. Then I give you either that pill or this pill. And it was just a matching game of these prescriptions, and it was awful. Yeah, <laughs> this, is not, this is not what I want. This is terrible. And right, then you get into the pay for performance uh, in medicine, which ah. is a lot of great things when you looked at the theory, uh, but the application of it became: if you have this, sim- if they have this diagnosis in their chart, you must have them on these prescriptions.
1: And you're like, no, like like the, they were telling you what to prescribe. I got paid to do that. I mean, you, you, you're you
0: Medicare, Medicaid, you're now getting incentivized a few more pennies. It wasn't a lot, but you, you don't get into medical school if you're not competitive. And I'm very yeah,
1: competitive. Right. There you go.
0: So I'm like, oh, I want to be the best. Yeah. I mean, the best is the one who matches them up the easiest. Well, send out an email, send out an APB. You don't need to see me to get on the prescription. Um, and then you just see medicine is broken. Like I would, I can remember the first time I got written up when they're telling me I have to have this game of match up the patients to all these prescriptions. And again, this night, you know, 2002, 2005, right in, in that zone. And I'm, I'm, you know, still writing statins for every LDL cholesterol. It's over 160 and, you know, doing all the things the rules say, but there was a patient in there that was a young mom. I'd seen her the, every year for the last five years and she was fine. She's raising her babies and doing a good job of being a good mom. And she needed her thyroid refilled and she had no symptoms, no troubles. And she writes in saying, can't you just refill it? And I said, well, here I'll go to the lab, get your blood tested. And I'll send you a portal message, you know, secure and private, uh, that about what the labs are. And if it's fine, we'll refill it for a year. You come in when you need to see me. And I got, taken up to the highest level in the shiny shoes of the corporate medicine saying, uh, 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 uh. uh and in fact, they said, that's illegal. What? <laughs> What's illegal? Like you cannot write a prescription without seeing the patient. I said, yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What my degree is for. Right. <laughs> and uh, so of course it came down to that you couldn't collect the copay if I just did the lab. And we don't make money on labs. People think we make money on labs. No, the labs make money on labs. I make money when I see you. And right. I'm, a, I'm a thinking doctor, so I don't make that much money. They do not pay you for thinking. They pay you for Crazy. cutting
1: or procedure. And when you say they, you, you mean the insurance companies, just so people are clear that they, that's driving those decisions.
0: Right. Insurance companies have a pay for performance, but it's incentivized by the government's pay for performance. And it it, it had a great initial thought, which was let's measure physicians for their outcomes. Like, okay. Right. And then the outcomes got bastardized because they said, well, if they just do the easy analytical thing, because there's so many doctors, we have to, we we wouldn't want to actually know the physician and their practice. Let's put a spreadsheet together to say, if their A1C is this, are they on these, are they on insulin? Right. If they, you know, If they have a diagnosis of diabetes, do you have them on a statin? No questions asked.
1: Yeah. Right. It's just a one-to-one, one pill, one problem situation. Yeah. And so, so that's my, goal, my mission yeah, <laughs> yeah, is to not do that. Your mission is to not
0: do that. I started so many prescriptions in the first 18 years of seeing patients before I flipped my clinic to a ketogenic based, um, start with a diet before you start with pills, um, that I want to stop as many prescriptions in the next 20 years as I started in the first. And
1: that's a lot of prescriptions. Yeah, I, I heard you say that. I just want to say that I heard you say that at KetoCon. And I, I too am one of those people that I just think about the community nonstop. I think I I just, I, I'd like to think about myself a little bit more, but I can't. I, I get more of a dopamine rush trying to, to help other people. And so when I heard you say that at KetoCon, that you're trying to get people off prescript- as many prescriptions as you put them on, I was like immediately in love with you. And like this, these are the kind of messages that need to get, get out there. And this, the second thing that you said that really blew my mind is that in the ketogenic world, we talk so much about mitochondria and ketones, but I love what you have to say about hemoglobin A1C and the red blood cell and I feel like that conversation needs to be brought to the surface. So, can you talk a little bit about why hemoglobin A1C it can if we could just look at that number and understand that number, we could end chronic disease. Well, it it truly dovetails into the story I
0: just told where, again, I was definitely one of the biggest judgments you had was how low could you get your A1Cs for these patients with chronic illness? In the first um, algorithm, it was only diabetics and getting them below six was like considered impossible. And of course, if you're only using prescription medications, you never could get them there. Um, You couldn't
1: wait, wait, pause for a second. You, you, you can't get A a patient below six on a prescription medication, yet we know like below five is for longevity. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I just Mm -hmm. didn't want to lose that point because that's huge. Go ahead. No. And I'll tell you who knows this is every actuary table,
0: every, every, um, Uh, lab that, or uh, insurance, well, if they want, if they get to, they get to sweep labs, you give them permission to sweep labs from your EMR, uh, electronic medical record. And that means that even if they weren't the one that paid for it or ordered it, it's in your history and they can plot your life expectancy based on A1C. Uh, And especially, I mean, it is so linear that uh, of the health problems that Uh, are associated with it, that when we can get it below five, you win, if we can get it to 4.5, that's my personal goal. You win the amount of longevity and improvements in the way the system can transition from one fuel to the next can repair an injury can suppress the growth of a cancer. Uh, All those things seemed like woo woo science until you really look at the association of the chronic number of blood sugar. What is the chronic blood sugar? And so, when you learn about what hemoglobin A1C is in medical school, and then you get out into the real world and you see doctors being really passionate, like, hey, you got to get this better. You got to get this better. And I can remember just, we got to get this number down. And it wasn't the incentives that were doing it. It's because if you watch this number, it is such a correlation for who's going to have a heart attack in the next year, who's going to have a stroke in the next year, who's going to break their hip in the next year. I mean, right. it predicts life. So, when you look at the, the, um, the first time I ever explained it to medical students, uh I thought, oh, I should write that down. And I just put out the video in this, like my my speaking season this year was all teaching about hemoglobin A1Z. It was awesome too, by the way. It was such a good talk. <laughs> so you say, hey, guess what? You're, these hemoglobins are proteins. They are proteins that are designed to carry the most valuable commodity in your body, oxygen, to the tissues because if you just let oxygen float willy-nilly inside the blood, it's going to dissolve into the closest cell. It's going to go, oxygen is wanted by every cell and it can't function without it. The delivery of the oxygen is related to, well, how well do your red blood cells get it there? So in part that is, are your blood vessels blocked with a bunch of you know, calcified plaques. Um, do you have low, uh, red blood cell count in the name of anemia is your, are your red blood cells wimpy and really tiny because you're low on iron. And so there's several places where you can say, well, the delivery of your, of the oxygen is based on that, but more importantly, how many of these proteins do you wipe out day one in a blood sugar that's too high.
1: Hmm. And that's
0: because red blood cells, unlike many other cells in the body. They do not have a nucleus. They do not have mitochondria. They are permeable to red, to glucose, meaning the glucose can come in and out of that red blood cell without anybody helping it. Nothing stops it. Uh, it does like your muscle cells. You got to lift it in there. Uh, your brain cells, you got to lift it in there. You've got a receptor that's going to take it from the outside to the inside, but red blood cells are not like that. They're permeable. They are openly permeable to, to, glucose. So as the glucose uh, the concentration in your blood is the same concentration that's in the, inside that red blood cell. And if that glucose gets too close to a hemoglobin, splat, it lands on the hemoglobin and like gum to the bottom of your shoe, it is stuck for the life of that hemoglobin. Oh, wow. So, yes. So that red blood cell is going to last 100 days, 120 days in, in most of us. And until you recycle it through the spleen and you tear down all the parts and then rebuild it in the bone marrow. It's that glucose is in the parking spot. That's supposed to carry oxygen. And now you can't, you, you, you wipe that out for the full 120 days.
1: And so we- just, I just want to point out so that people understand if you can't get oxygen into your red blood cell, tell us what happened, like yeah, fatigue, right. pain, like all these things that people are dealing with. So explain yes. that piece. So as the oxygen goes inside that red
0: blood cell, the red blood cell goes to every part of your body. So, um, the first one that I think of is, is, uh, in a diabetic, you will know that when they get a sore on the bottom of their foot mm. and everybody says, what's your A1C, what's your A1C, what's your A1C. And it's because every doctor knows that if we want to fix that sore on the bottom of their foot, we need the white blood cells to get oxygen. Well, how are we going to do that? We need to know that the red blood cells getting to that infection are giving them oxygen. We need Mm. to know that the tissue that is necrotic, that is rotting for all other purposes is going to get oxygen so that it can repair. So that the skin cells that are supposed to weave through and, and reset that wound, it needs oxygen. That it's tingly and the nerves hurt is because that nerve needs oxygen and it is delivered by that red blood cell. So Crazy. when the red blood cell does is full of sugar and it, and it's carrying seats for oxygen are all filled with gum. They're gummed up. Your delivery is lower. You cannot have, I mean, the amount of energy it just takes to run your brain, your heart, your, your immune system, the, the exchange of how do I, you know, take care of that little Nick in the, in the lining of a nerve that's on your left arm because, because you were living, something goes wrong every day in these cells. And the way you repair it has to do with how well the oxygen is delivered to those mitochondria.
1: And that is based on your average blood sugar. Um, Step one. Crazy. So you, now my brain's going to all different kinds of places. So do you know the cellular danger response? Have you heard that about that? Mm-mm, tell me. So the cellular danger response is when physical, emotional, chemical stress comes into the cell that yeah. it gets stuck in a fight or flight type situation. And so the mitochondria stop making ATP. They actually make a signaling molecule that sends out information to all the other cells and says, hey, we have a crisis here. And so you need to shut down energy production. And in that moment, it, it all of your amino acids, all your minerals, all your vitamin reserves get depleted. So I'm curious if that's exactly part of what's happening here. You gum up that red blood cell and now the body, if you're not getting oxygen into other body parts, you're going to have to start pulling not only your reserves, your vitamin, your mineral reserves, but you're also going to have to work a lot harder harder because your cells may be in this danger response. Do you feel like that would be accurate?
0: Yeah. When you look at that, that gumming up of the proteins that are inside a red blood cell, it's called glycation or glucose that gets laid on stuff it doesn't belong and although we can specifically measure the protein hemoglobin because it has this you know, three-month lifespan, so we can check it uh, frequently you know, every month until we get it to where we want it to be if we wanted to, knowing mm-hmm. that we are measuring what is the last 90 days, what is the last 90 days. And if people are truly improving, even though uh, you know, traditionally doctors would have you measure it every three months, but I find that it's too long between checks that patients lose focus of what they're doing. And checking it monthly allows you to say, hey, uh, whatever you're doing it's going the wrong direction. We need the average glucose to be less month after month, because it is also a predictor of how much glycation happened to, oh, that tennis elbow that really keeps hurting and you can't seem to get it better. The, that white blood cell setting that they can't seem to release the cytokines and pull in the other troops to help you fight off that infection, or it gets glycated in the on position. And now you're just spewing out cytokines and that's called a cytokine storm in ways. And although glycation is a minor point of why some of those things happen, it is a chronic and stable delivery of excess sugar around the body, glycating the parts that you don't want glycated. And when you look, when you look at a mitochondria, that's not working right. And you get into uh, that cellular turnover, that mitophagy or the the shutdown of a mitochondria and the, the rebirth of a new one uh is when a mitochondria is says, hey, I'm tapping out. I can't go. Uh, mm. Glycation will do that to a mitochondria. Uh, so you watch how many things get paused and you know the body will stop you. It's it sees danger Crazy. in pushing uh a subset of uh of what should be corrective functions that are in the wrong
1: chemistry set to correct them. And and I can go ahead. And I think what's so interesting again, I love the, the tennis elbow analogy because so many people don't realize that the pain they're experiencing is lack of oxygen getting to the area to be able to heal it because of the diet that you're on that's causing too much glucose. Like we don't make that connection. And we think of hemoglobin A1C and and I love everybody's walking around with their CGMs on now, and we're starting to see this change, but we have thought of hemoglobin A1C and insulin, fasting insulin, fasting glucose as only something diabetics look at. But what I hear you saying is this this is, this is your tennis elbow. This is your your dementia, your Alzheimer's, your memory loss. This is your menopause symptoms because Amen. you're not getting oxygen to these areas. That's totally exactly right. I mean, in fact, one
0: of the hardest parts about uh, knowing the pathology that's linked to hemoglobin A1C as an internist, you can see chronic disease 20 years before it's coming. When you're hanging out at a 5.7 and people say, hey, I'm below six. I'm like, you're 40. <laughs> you, you should be at not 5.7, which is an average blood sugar from like 90 to an average blood sugar of uh, just under 125. So those differences are a huge amount of extra sugars floating around every minute of every day that is glycating things that are aging your body faster than they should. And even despite exercise and, you know, you know, when, when the A1C is elevated and, that that predictor is how fast will you age? Um, yeah. That's you know. So all
1: these, areas. so all these people that are like biohacking and getting in and out of cold and plunges. What I hear is those those are great if you want to like slow down aging. But let's start with the basics. Amen. What should yeah? What should your hemoglobin be? So talk a little bit about what we've thrown out some numbers here. So okay. um, under what would what, what ideal is four point five, and what is considered you better get to work.
0: Yeah. So 4.5 is uh, my goal for me. Uh, again, I, I actually, so let's back up one second saying, can you test your A1C? Yes. That has been off the books with uh, with the exception of a couple kits that were on Amazon for a while, but they were very specific to say, you're going to have to test a few times. You're going to want to test over the course of so many months. But until May 1st, 2022, we didn't have a home point of care test. Um, and mm-hmm. I actually co-branded, meaning said, I want to support this company to get this information out. Uh, again, we're not a big moneymaker, but it's a huge inf- information place for people to go and say, can we improve their life? Yes, if they know their A1C. And so they, it's one of those tests where you prick the finger and you drip the blood onto the card. And then the card uh, gets sent into an an analysis. They break and look at the hemoglobins and the percentage of glycation at the A alpha hemoglobin at the one position. Anyway, that's what hemoglobin A1C stands for. Uh, The point is, is that's always been off the books unless you wanted to pay cash to the doctor. But then again, remember, if you do that, your insurance company does get to know what that number is. Mm. And they want to know, they may not pay for it for you, but if it comes back high, especially above 5.5, then they will plot you. They are, you are plotted. And so I, by definition, you sign the waivers. I got to give them that information. You and
1: what said- do they, what do they do with that information?
0: It's an actuary table. It's a it's a prediction of disease and how much you're going to charge for your insurance. It's part of the link to so they'll training. come get you
1: later financially and you don't even realize it. Is that what I hear? Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. yeah, crazy. Okay, where so, do you no, get where no. do you get this test? Well,
0: bozmd.com is where I I just put it on my website probably three weeks ago. Um Amazing. and honestly, I, I did not, I did not know that it was one of my good friends, uh, from medical school when I was teaching medical school in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, his company, uh, has been looking at point of care to the patient with, um, with omega-3 and omega-6 fat. So if you've ever seen that omega quant where it, where they, um, you test what, What um, types of fats have you swallowed in the last three months? They're looking at red blood cells and they're trying to see, do you have any trans fats in your bone marrow? Do you have any trans fats in your red blood cells? And they measure that by this test that you give them your red blood cells and they run the analysis. It's a cool test. It's really cool Uh test. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's way better than a cholesterol test. This is what what I say when you want to see if you're actually eating the kind of fats at the rate that you need need to be. This is one of the core um, measurements that I have them do and you don't need to involve me you can go order the test on your own and um, get the um, get the results. And if you never want to tell me because they are awful, then you don't have to tell me either. Right, you're, right. you're in charge of your... And I really find that that transfer of informa- of responsibility is where we have should have always been, that yes, you should care about this. I, I can scold you, but that's not going to change your behavior long-term. Um, your insurance company can charge you higher money, but again, that doesn't change behavior long-term. That internal drive to be a healthier version of you, that's what we're trying to inspire in all this. Yeah.
1: I, you mm-hmm. know, one of my favorite statements that you made at KetoCon is that you don't need a doctor to do the ketogenic diet. And, <laughs> yes. you know, when you stop and you understand how intelligent the body is, you'll stop giving your power away to doctors. You'll see your your doctors as health coaches guiding you to take the right steps, not yes. as the end all be all to telling you what's, go, you know, what you need to do next. Absolutely. So I love I that. Think that.
0: The innovation of companies like uh, Omega Quant and, uh, other ones that are out there saying, get the doctor out of the way. I don't want to yeah. be I mean, any good doctor with their salt is going to say, you got a problem. Let me tell you what I know about the human body. And let me teach you that education factor was always supposed to be number one. And yes. I mean, you've now turned me into a robot that could match up symptoms and, yeah. uh, and numbers yeah. and labs and numbers. It's an algorithm. I don't, you don't need me for that. Uh, The education of showing you how to care for you, how to be in relationship and how to inspire people to change behavior, that is what uh, a physician was, was supposed to do and it's long been bastardized, I think. Well,
1: amazing. I always say, you know what? I used to say to people all the time that, you know, I'm not the doctor that stands up here and looks down on you. I'm the doctor that's gonna link arms with you and we're gonna walk together to where you need to go. And at the end of the day, we need people to know that it wasn't the doctor that healed you, it wasn't the medication that healed you. It's not even the ketogenic diet that healed you. You tapped into your body's own ability to heal heal you. And Mm -hmm. if everybody took their power back, it would be a whole, we would have a whole different healthcare world, don't you think?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the best things that I, I know you do a lot of, of teaching on that I think uh, links right into A1C is when people come back and they have a higher number than they think they should. Uh, I, I talk to them about, look, your body is designed to do some things you're not doing. And one mm-hmm. of those is to go without food, to have the exercise inside your cells without food. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the most, um, uh, derailed conversations that i i continue to see people have is that if you're a female and anywhere in that 30 40 reproductive range you should not be fasting and I keep thinking, no, your little ovaries don't want to be glycated any more than your red blood cells did. And that uh, production of really good endocrine health comes with lowering the A1C. You cannot lower it any faster than what I practice in my life and what I encourage my uh, followers to do, which is you should you should get to a metabolism. And Not everybody gets there right away. Some people took me a couple of years to fast every week, to have a fasting cycle once a week. We don't use the word fasting until you're at least 36 hours without food. Ah, cool.
1: Now you're talking my language, right? (laughs) No, I actually, so it's really interesting when I, um, pitched Fast Like a Girl to the publishers, several people were like, I don't think people want to do longer fasts. So in Fast Like a Girl, I go through six different level fasts from 13 hours to 72 hours. And I talk about the different benefits and how, why you would want to do them for hormonal production. So it's all about hormones and women and fasting. But to your point, I want everybody to realize I... I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to get people to use some longer fasts because we can do exactly, undo exactly what you're talking about so quickly. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit DrMindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So one of my questions to you is if it, if red blood cells replenish themselves every three months, what happens when you throw a 36-hour fast in there? Do they rejuvenate? Do you get rid of the old ones? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So this,
0: the life of the red blood cell doesn't change based on the fasting, but mm-hmm. what you really can see happen is you lower the average blood sugars. That most of the patients come in and they're really looking at me after a couple of decades of overeating or eating processed foods in a way that their average blood sugars have risen to an A1C of, you know, five, seven, five, six, you know, even up into the sixes. And so that's an average blood sugar in the, you know, one twenties to one thirties to one forties. That's crazy. And again, that is, that is a great way to get dementia. If you're looking at brains that again, you got to heal the brain before you heal anything else. If you let, if you spend life with an average A1C that high, you cannot reverse the problem you have to get that a1c down that's so crazy. how do you do that
1: right yeah. so you start how do you re- do it
0: right and i think your <laughs> program and my program are almost like where they're they're almost identical where you look at <clears throat> i lower i tell patients 20 total carbs or less that's where we start i, I again i'm taking people in a place where i want to reverse medical problems we're not playing around we're trying to reverse medical problems Yeah. if you want to do that you got to get the carbs down total carbs down to less than 20
1: is that net carbs
0: mm-hmm yep. yeah yeah and it's you know I first when I was first in this uh I I said that word but I had some exceptions and 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 the the sad part is is every time I did that the numbers would stall they would not get better yeah uh, and so if you're really looking at reversing illnesses that's the goal here then I need you to limit this we have to undo what you've been doing for the last 20, you know couple decades probably right so as you look at that, then we take them to, uh, that first wave of keto, everybody feels so much better. And I call it the, it's ride
1: the chemistry wave. You can eat three yeah. times a day as long limitless. as limitless. Yeah, just I it call it limitless. It's like, you can, you can like, did you ever see that movie with Bradley Cooper, you know, yes. where he takes a pill and all of a sudden you can speak five languages. I'm like, you don't need Bradley's uh, <laughs> pill. You just need some ketones. And yes. you'll soon see that you've been living in a body that wasn't working at its best. Yeah, exactly. And when they are metabolically healthy
0: to get that chemical rise, to get that wave of ketones, I'm like, just ride that ketone wave. You'll come back. Uh, we'll show you what to do next. Just ride You'll it as come long back. As <laughs> enjoy yeah. it. It's
1: like it's like it. a drug
0: trip. Yeah, just Amen. enjoy
1: it. We'll, we'll let you know when you arrive
0: back. And some people, it's even dirty keto that they get that wave with, but I'm like, yeah, but that's not, that's not going to last forever. Your body will adapt. And I think that's really where, when you look at the chronic uh, trajectory of why does a ketogenic diet continue to improve? If you've got some of these parameters, it is um, adults shouldn't eat more than two meals a day. We weren't designed to do that. We've done that for um, modernization reasons of, uh, of all the wrong reasons, actually. Yep. It's into a work schedule better. You get a break, all the things that you shouldn't have given credit for eating. But now that you, you've got these chronic medical problems, eating twice a day is one thing, but now I really need your numbers. I need you following your metabolism. And this is mm-hmm. where, um, you know, the, the Dr. Boz ratio came from.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, talk about that. It's a great ratio. And so talk about the ratio.
0: Yeah. You know, this was when I was helping my mom, uh, fight her cancer. So we needed a high metabolic, uh, stimulus to really get the outcomes I was reading about in these papers. Uh, she was a 71 year old woman who'd been through 10 years of cancer and she was 40 to 50 pounds overweight at that time, uh, had done all the wrong things to try and lose the 20 pounds she had lost. Uh, so she was metabolically very sick. Mm -hmm. And as we are on a timer now, cause we got a cancer that's about to take her life. And she has said, I am not doing chemo anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the places I needed to stay on track was I couldn't let her stall for months on end. I needed to know exactly when this wave of chemistry was over. And when Mm -hmm. that's done, then I need you to step up your metabolism. So by looking at what her glucose level was, I mean, glucose is this uh, great molecule that we can measure point of care, but it has several things that are telling it what to do. And one Mm -hmm. of the loudest things that's telling what to do is insulin. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it'd be great if we could measure insulin in a point by point care. But even if we did, it's incredibly volatile when you're checking patients insulin. I I used to do this in all the patients. I've stopped doing it because if, if they fart right before the insulin is Ah. gone, (laughs) I got a higher number. If they're stressed, if they didn't sleep well, if they have a difficult drive to the lab, the cortisol raises that. And now if it's high, I can't trust that it's high because of a stress situation. So I need several points of care and it's like $80 a pop. So I I don't, I don't like t- testing insulin because of its volatility, but it's one of those places in medicine where if we could look at the one, the two molecules that, that insulin really is the commander over, it is your glucose and your ketones at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a glucose of a hundred, it doesn't tell me where the insulin is, but if you have a glucose of 100 a hundred and ketones of 1.5, I know your insulin's low. And so that's where the Dr. Boss ratio comes, comes Beautiful. from. If you have a glucose of 100 and your ketones are 0.5, now I know your insulin's high. So, okay. again, we take glucose and we divide by the ketones. And originally, really? I, tried, I tried. Yeah, to get I love ketones. this. Right. I tried to get my mom to do the glucose ketone index, but in America, we have these crazy units for glucose and different ones for uh, ketones. And so I'm like, mom, I need you to convert this to the glucose, to the other metrics. And then I need you to divide by this to get the ratio of the ketones down to 1.0. And my mother's like, I don't know. I am, you know, it was way beyond what she could do in the mental state she was in. It's not that she doesn't know numbers or could, you know, couldn't have done that in a different time of her life, but she was sick. Mm-hmm. And so I said, all yeah. right, mom, yeah. we're going to do some, we're going to do some dirty math. Just take the big number and divide by the little number and I'll calculate what that should be. And that's where the Dr. Boss ratio came from is it's mismatched math, but it's so easy for patients to do that's, this, to yeah. say the lower your number, the lower your insulin.
1: Yeah. And so, so what do we want that number lose, to be?
0: Right. If you want to lose weight, got to keep your Dr. Boss ratio below hundred uh, okay. I mean, we know very easily from all the patients we've seen that if you can get that Dr. Boss ratio under hundred, you're going to lose weight. Uh, and so I, you,
1: you need like your, when you say under a hundred, it's glucose divided by ketones, ketones. So and that a, should be a hundred. Okay. So if you had a yeah.
0: glucose of hundred and a ketone of one, then you would have a Dr. Boss ratio of a hundred. And Perfect. that would be a weight loss one. If you had a glucose of a hundred and a ketone of 1.2, now you have a Dr. Ball's ratio of 80. And Even when better. I want, yeah, right. And I want to help them at a, if I'm trying to reverse diabetes, I'm pushing them to get that to an 80. But when I'm looking to really improve their metabolic health in the setting of an autoimmune disorder, which is again, mm. a very primitive part of our very deeply protected part of our brain or our body. Uh, I need that Dr. Ball's ratio to get to 40, uh, wow. which is really a, a GKI of one to two. Uh, so when you're using the, the, the scientific papers out there, you're, it's a glucose of a hundred and now you've got uh, a ketone of what would be 1.8. Okay. 1. I love this. 8 8. Yes. And that will push that, that Dr. Ball's ratio down to um, 40. But if I'm working with the patient who's got a seizure disorder or is in a cancer protocol, I need their Dr. Ball's ratio to be 20. Wow. So that means their sugars are usually running in that 60s and 70s, maybe 80s. And now I got a ketone of two to three uh, to yep. keep that Dr. Ba's ratio wow. of 20 or less.
1: What does it look like to eat to get like, you're going to have to fast. I, I really feel like this is what I love about fasting is it's the fastest path to get those ketones. Yep. And then w- what are you eating? Are you eating meat and fat? Yeah. So essentially...
0: I mean, the first few lectures I went to, this they had patients that were actually following the protocol. It's going to gross out your people, but it's totally telling ah, you that you're, you're you're going into a land that either you're going to be really disciplined or you're going to use some of the hacks. Okay. Uh, the discipline is um, these were seizure patients of um, or they were glioblastoma. So they had a brain cancer. The glioblastoma had either been radiated or removed. Um, and if they didn't keep their ketones at that Dr. Ball's ratio of 20 or less, or a GKI of one-to-one, they had a seizure. So they had incredible Ooh. compliance. So they were
1: eating things like, um, Millworms because they're super high fat. Oh, insects and insects are packed with protein. Uh, my friend Bill Schindler, who was at KetoCon, if you've heard yes. him, he's a huge fan of bringing insects back. Oh, yeah, I think
0: it's still one of my favorite. If you're going to use a flour, use cricket flour, be careful the shellfish. But I'll say that, when you're yeah. looking at hacks, uh, so they, they would do things like extreme levels of fat. But if you're really looking at a diet that doesn't include insects, um, I mean. you, you, we have them weigh their food. We usually want them having Mm. 500 grams of food. That's not a lot of food. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we it's this fatty meat is what makes the list to keep their, uh, fat high enough. And that the protein replaced enough, um, crazy bone marrow. Yeah. Bone marrow's on the, on the, um, menu, um, a lot of liver pates, um, mixing it with the, um, the, the fats from the animal, the liver plus the fat really good. And it's flavorful. They, they like that. Um the other places that um get a lot of return for bite for bite is um organ meat but also small fish, so sardines make the list mm-hmm. because they're you know i mean they're in a can and I don't like to cook,
1: so, <laughs> I'm so a one of the sardines. so you- oh. p- you open up some pate some liver pate, and then you know your dessert is sardines yes and it. you get that's to good. and you get to live your reward right. is you get to live right I do that.
0: Yeah, honestly, it it truly is um, a level of metabolism. When I have people chirping, oh, I can't give this up. I can't give this up. You know, it it only takes that perspective of saying, would you like to see the other patients that I'm taking care of Mm -hmm. Um, where they are, you know, 500 grams or less of food per day. They're on this for the next four months and one day off show sends their numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent that you live in the 21st century with lots of options for medicine. Our medicines work a ton better if you can remove the inflammation from the body. And that's really the the ketogenic diet should be called anti-inflammatory diet, but that word's been, you
1: know, right. It's almost like optimal health. Like when we say optimal health, people are like, yeah, yeah, I want that, but we don't really know what it is. So when we say anti-inflammatory again, I feel like it's just too vague. How, How long do you need to stay? So let's say I have it, let's say I have an autoimmune condition it's managed. Well, I'm not really like something like Hashimoto's. I'm not like going to die from it right away, but I do want to work with this Dr. Ba's ratio. So I want to try to see if I can get it to 40. How long do I need to stay at 40? Or is it like, do you dip in every time you're in 40, you're accelerating healing? yeah, so the the truth
0: is is that every time you dip to a certain number, you do ignite autophagy. Again, uh, autophagy is not something you can take a picture of. It's got really great science around it. There's not a lab test that shows you you're in autophagy. There is a chemistry set that is very highly correlated to autophagy, and that is a lower blood sugar with a low inflammation and a higher amount of ketones. So again, a Dr. Boss ratio of twenty, we know we I mean, know a really good statistical chance that you're in autophagy. 40, you get a pretty good chance, like 30 to 40% of the people we think are in autophagy. Um, And or sorry, 70% of the people are in autophagy. When you get to 80, we think it's about half the people are in autophagy. Mm. So um, it's not that you can't get in autophagy at 80. It's that we have a much higher guarantee the lower the number gets. And the outcomes really seem to be matching with that. So when when people say, how long do I have to do this? And I'm like, well, how long did it take you to make it? Right Now that's a tough place for them to go because often their autoimmune thing went on for years before it was diagnosed yep. or it smoldered in the, you didn't have a celiac antibody. You just had all the symptoms and you knew if you took the weed away, you, you felt better, but you didn't start making the antibodies until this body turned on this gene. And now you make the antibodies. So now my blood test is positive. Now I can put the diagnosis in your medical chart, but it doesn't mean that the disorder wasn't brewing for years before that. Yeah. So to turn it off, we need to recycle things. We need to have a zone of none for a while. Mm-hmm. So the Love parts that, that I am really careful to advise because people go a little wacky when they start here and I need to calculate, I need to calculate and they go, they get up. obsessed. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm like, you need to be the tortoise, not the hare. We're trying mm-hmm. to find a rhythm of your life that you can stick to mm-hmm. unless we're fighting cancer. Okay. And if, if we're in that zone where cancer fighting is, um, it just changes the game, uh, yeah. So outside of that, I want you to find a zone that you can live in. And I think yeah. that's where, when, when I look at the workbook that I use for my patients, I wrote a book called Keto Continuum. This is what the second book I wrote. The first one was the story of my most stubborn patient, my mother, uh, any way you can. And a great love story between a it's daughter such and a good mother. Story. Yeah. It's uh, sweet. Sweet. It, it truly has blessed me in helping more people. I mean, she, that story has helped so many people. Yeah. Yeah, um, but keto continuum is what I left on the cutting room floor when I was trying to write that, and I was trying to implement this into my clinic, and then I had the tsunami of people that wanted to see me as a doctor, and I'm like, you do not need a doctor to do this, yeah. and so writing it down helped because I think a lot of people use the book, take it to your own
1: doctor, teach your doctor, That's teach your doctor. Oh my gosh, I say that all the time on my channel. I'm like, send your doctor here. I put the science down below. Yes exactly
0: right. Like it isn't that much of a, um, uh, you know, biochemistry is hard for every doctor. I mean, it's at one of the top and difficult classes in medical school, but it is, it is, this is not advanced biochemistry. This is yeah. pretty basic stuff about metabolism mm-hmm. and a couple of glances back into that chapter book and they're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they need a reason why they need an, and, and not a scolding, shaming kind of, you should know this. You're a terrible doctor. Don't doctors don't like to hear that either. We have a lot of stuff to keep up with. Agreed. And, this yeah. place yeah. of saying, Hey doc, look, I'm doing this. I've lost this weight. I've been following this workbook. Here's my workbook. And I tell him, just listen to the story of David, who is a patient in my practice that he screwed up everything. He gave me every teachable moment in his case to say, let yeah. me show you how not to do it and why. Wow. And then the workbook that says, um, the ultimate way where I, you know, have, there are 12 different places that you can you know, that where I walk people along a, a, a continuum, that's where keto continuum yeah, comes amazing.
1: from. And where did where do they get the book? Oh, Amazon
0: is it one place. You can go to bozmd.com. We sell it there too, but Amazon allows you to leave a review and yes, I
1: don't have a publisher. So if they buy it, please leave me two Yeah, reviews are, are. I think people don't understand the power of a good review for any author is really appreciated. It's yeah. awesome. I I had no idea it did that much for uh,
0: awareness. Right. when, the news yeah. aren't there you can't you can't talk right. any any third party like amazon or anybody to putting you in a in a cycle you got to have right.
1: reviews. let let me yeah. ask you let me ask you this question the other thing i you finished up your ketocon um talk with is something that was really like near and dear to my heart which is you know we've been in this pandemic for 2 years now without any mention of what we can do metabolically to be Mm -hmm. able to keep our immune system strong. Can you talk, as we finish up the conversation, can you talk a little bit about where, where this glycation played in with the cytokine storms and with COVID? Yeah, it's a huge part of this. I mean, in fact, during the you know the
0: process of writing the lectures for for those uh, videos and also just really honing how do you speak and deliver this in an you know eight minute YouTube video, uh, it I, I it was so motivating to me to say it's not an accident that when you want to predict who's going to struggle with. COVID 19, A1C was a direct correlation. It was a linear correlation that the higher it was point by point by point, third decimal point, it still was linear. Of if you have a high hemoglobin A1C, the cytokines get stuck and much to what you were talking about earlier in the show, where you get this uh, cellular stress, shutdown of mitochondria resources that are locked away. You get in, you get like the on switch turned on for the pheromones of, uh, of white blood cells and they're they're cytokines there, but it's a pheromone. If you would saying, Hey, I have an infection. I need help. Mm. And the best um responses from our body is the delta. Whatever your number's at, you want it to peak really high and then come back down. And it's that difference of what is your baseline noise level for cytokines and then the peak when something happens so that you can recruit your your friends and neighbors to help you with this infection. And when you look at cytokine storms, what is essentially happening on a basic level is you have so much noise that when an infection comes along, it kind of burps the level just a little bit. And it's not enough signal to put in the white blood cells, Mm. but it was enough signal to raise more of the cytokines to produce and more of them to produce. So it's this low chronic raising of the cytokines, and then they live there. And to reverse it, you need to stop stop eating. You need to fast as long as you're metabolically healthy to do that. And what right. I find right. is the patients who really needed to fast, they were eating 250 carbs a day before COVID. And now they hear, oh, I should fast to do better. I'm like you've got, you got your metabolism isn't correct. Yeah. You and, can those are the, yeah and those yeah. are the places, patients where you, you, I mean, the only, the only outcomes that I've seen uh, I mean, sometimes you'll get a winner who will fast and it'll, their body will do what it's supposed to do. And their cytokines do come down, but they smolder for a long time yeah. inducing yeah. a ketogenic state by exogenous ketones is what several of the places have done. Um, and they have the mm. in IV form now and had a couple of trials where they're infusing them into an IV process with really
1: somebody smolder. who has a cy- in a cytokine storm. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh my gosh. I I, I love that. Have you seen, did you see the research? This is one thing I went to YouTube and I was like shouting this, was the research was showing that if you have two cells, one that is a glucose, a sugar burner, and one that's in a state of autophagy, that if a virus comes into those cells, they can't live off your own energy off their, they don't have their own energy. So they have to live off of you. So if you go into a cell in a state of autophagy, it stops down, stops viral replication. Absolutely, yes. One of the mechanisms that does is it kicks
0: out iron from that cell, and now the iron inside the cell is depleted, which is like a kamikaze for the cell, but it's also a kamikaze for the virus. So it, there are built-in mechanisms that are absolutely correlated to again, Dr. Balls ratio. Get the glucose down. Yeah, I was gonna say. Down. Yeah. If, yeah. When you are plotting who's going to do a better job, that GKI absolutely mattered that, that glucose ketones in circulation, which one is your system using infusing the body with ketones would induce just like an injection of vitamin D would induce some of the outcomes and the proteins that uh, we know are part of being healthy. But in a moment of crisis, uh, I mean, you can't fix the problem immediately. But but you can. There are several of the the ICU doctors who went out on a limb and injected like a hundred thousand units of, of vitamin D, toxic in anybody's measurement. Uh, maybe it was fifty thousand. I don't know. It was a lot. It was. And yeah. Did, did you ever see this? I, oh, I know.
1: I've heard this. Go ahead. Say what you're going to say.
0: And th- these p- patients lived. They they were on ventilators. They're like last ditch effort. They're not going to live. And there is something about the transcription that happens outside the, of the DNA in a nucleus that is supplied with abundant vitamin D. And so again, another place where, well, where is all that vitamin D? Well, it's stuck in your fat cells. It is it is totally being run by insulin. So when you look at that cytokine storm and what other things are associated with it, a cytokine storm was, was associated with a higher A1C, a higher body mass index, a higher fat mass, a higher amount of insulin chronically, so insulin resistance, and a lower amount of vitamin D, a lower amount of ketones ever being used in the last 30 days days, all of these metrics are, are, there's no
1: prescription that I can get you to get you there no. in 24 hours. Yeah. You got to eat right. Yeah, you could, and you can do it for yourself. So, yes. oh my gosh, I, I swear, I want to respect your time, but I could like sit here for like three hours and discuss this with you. So I, I
0: just need to say a couple of things before the show ends. And that is that there are very few people that make my life easier. When I send them to listen to things and I said, just go listen to Dr. Mindy. She does a ton of this coaching. I am not the only one saying this, but <laughs> your teaching, I mean, it really dovetails into helping my patients and oh. any any person who does that, is you you're going to heaven
1: Uh, Oh, thank you. Well, and vice versa, you know, I'm, I'm all about collaboration and I feel like we, you know, what I love and where I geek out with you is like, we're some of the only women that are on YouTube discussing this. And I, we used your ratio for autophagy in my academy one time to try to get into help people figure out how to get into autophagy. So I, yeah, I'm all about collaborating with you. I just love what you're doing and uh, yeah, let's change the world together. Amen. Good job. Well, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. I want to get to see this again soon. So yeah, wait. okay. I'm I'm going to ask. You, I have to ask you one more non-glucose oh. ketone question, but probably the most important thing we can talk about before we close this down is: Do you have a gratitude practice? And if so, what is it? All right. So um,
0: I have a pattern of fasting each week. And I struggled with fasting a long time, Uh, just again, like anybody, the mind-blowing part when you first go into that. And I'd been going to Bible study and doing my thing that I like to do to nurture me, but I kept failing at my fasts. And I learned that if I start the fast by documenting and and really having the person that I focus on, so it's usually somebody that I'm caring for in my practice, Mm -hmm. maybe it's somebody in my family, Um, but I have learned every week, I fast every week. Uh, now sometimes I fail, but for the last four years, I think I've missed like probably maybe a dozen weeks, uh, for not fasting and the goal is 48 hours and 72 hours, uh, at least once a month, but I never make it. If I skip the gratitude, uh, the, the fasting is so correlated to what's in my heart and that if I document that, I also can see it in a numerical that that was really good for my analytical brain. Like, all right. God saying thank you if you uh, if you remember all the blessings that you've got. Oh my towards gosh.
1: You, so. uh, you know, I I just you, you're making me actually tear up now because one of the things that I love about fasting is that it quiets the noise in your brain and you can hear so much more about who you are and, and how you want to show up in life. It's more than just a health tool. It is a total spiritual tool. So, oh, my gosh, just yeah. love that. So thank you for, this is going to be, I think our audiences hopefully will love that we geeked out together. And you guys, if you went, we're going to put this out and then Dr. Boz and I are going to go live on YouTube together and have more fun. So thank you for not only who you are, but for what you're doing to change the world. This is just, yeah, it's incredible. We need more doctors like you. So, so grateful. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.